You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. The most glamorous, finest, toe-tapping, watch-wearing podcast around about the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to be even more obnoxious and more overbearing. And you're going to have to learn to deal with me because the Lions got a second win. Number two. Imagine what happens when this team is actually good. Imagine what happens when this team is like literally just dunking on people because it will happen at some point. I believe. I believe. And maybe that's the takeaway from this game. Uh, I'm Christopher Fett, your adequate host at Christopher Fett on Twitter. Still wearing off the glow of post-game of an utter domination of the Lions beating down the Arizona Cardinals, who were two games ago looking like they were, you could pencil them in for the NFC West crown. Now I don't know. But let's get to the rest of the crew. Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit on Lion, still mustachioed, still rocking and glam stepping and doing all that stuff. How's it going, Jeremy? How's this one feel? Oh, it feels good, man. Um, I know, I know they're like, I, I feel like an afterglow will, will wear off and some people will complain about draft and, and all that nonsense, but man, uh, that was a complete lions game that we haven't seen in, in, in quite some in years. time in years, in years, no question. And it just, it felt good to see it all come together in maybe one of the more unexpected places where, you know, given where the Lions roster was given the opponent given, you know, nobody in inside Ford field, it just didn't feel it. You, you went into week 15 thinking the worst was going to happen, especially coming off of a blowout from the Broncos and you get something completely different and it changes everything, right? It changes yeah. the complete perception of the future of this team. And uh, maybe that's an overreaction. Maybe it isn't, but uh, right now I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it's, what I'm seeing and that's all that matters to me. It's right a now. feather in the cap of Dan Campbell and this crew, I think more than the Minnesota game was yes. even, like, like no even question. more than that. Like I know that first one probably feels special to him, but we got to get to our third man here since we're doing Ric Flair voices. Let's bring in Ryan Matthews, the rock God at Ryan underscore P O D Ryan. Ryan, buddy. No mocks needed. <laughs> no mocks needed. Hashtag no, no mocks needed. No mocks needed. I Don't just bother us about mocks. <laughs> uh, man, what a what a win by the Lions today! Like, just what an incredible football game from start to finish. Like, this wasn't even like you said, Chris. I, I think you know for for as much as this team celebrated that first victory over the Vikings. And rightfully so, when you get a, a walk-off, you know, a walk-off touchdown, yes, absolutely. As For your sure. first win, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you, you should definitely celebrate that. But this win is the kind of win that really, like, defines your year. I mean, like, you know, it, it's, it's not saying that the Lions can go out and lay an egg the rest of the season, but, like, 
I just don't think that's on the table. Like, I think that with the way that they fought in this game and the way that they put together a, a four quarter victory, like this was the most complete game that they have played all season long from start to finish. And it was just so funny how it started. It started with the Jared Goff sack and it was like, Oh man, this <laughs> Here we go again. one. And then he and, found, and then, then he found the spinach. Then he found the Popeye spinach. Yeah. And I mean, they, they go into halftime up 17 to nothing. Like they're making great play calls on fourth down. Like, I, I mean, it, it was everything that you could have wanted out of a, out of a Dan Campbell victory. And man, it's the best win that the Lions have had in three years. Let me, let me make it more impressive though, by going down the depth chart that the Lions had for this game that I think Eric Schlitt compiled. Just looking at running backs, Jamar Jefferson, Godwin Igwebuki. The one, the one downside for that day was Igwebuki continuing to fumble. Sure. Craig Reynolds, Netflix himself, big man Craig going out there. But we'll talk about Craig in a second because he's one of the outstanding ones. Uh, Charles Harris at Will Linebacker. Your, uh, Alex Anzalone, who left in this game at some point. Um, Will Harris playing on like the outside corner? Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're trying to figure out their quarterbacks because I, 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 I can keep going on, Jeremy. This was, this was not the Lions at their most complete. I think the only place where they've really improved personnel quality-wise coming into this game versus where they were a few weeks ago is wide receiver because we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit, but Amon Ross St. Brown has turned into sun God, sun God, the living weapon. And Josh Reynolds continues to have that connection with Jared Goff. Every other position feels like it's been taken a step back from injuries, from flu, from COVID, from call-ups. Call Shane Zilstra was involved in this. Brock Wright was involved in this. For all the Jason wrong reasons. Kabinda, Jason Cabinda had a touchdown. They, they brought in a couple of a litter of guys in the secondary. Someone named Brady Breeze and Savion Smith. Brady fantastic, Breeze. Fantastic name bracket, guys. But guys, that just, I mean, I, no one had ever heard of going into this game. And yeah, I mean, you're right. Like defensively. The point is they were like, in the name bracket, right? Yeah, they, they, that, they that's weren't the even eligible part. for the name bracket. <laughs> they were eligible for it. But like, yeah, I, I feel like this is combined with the Baltimore Ravens game in, in week three or four or whatever that was, this was Aaron Glenn's like moment because you, you mentioned it, like they're, they're down their top two or three linebackers. They're down, you know, both the Oquara brothers, they're down Trey flowers. They're, they're getting crazy production out Anzalone of, out of Charles left Harris. in the middle of this game. Anzalone, yeah. In the first half, he, he didn't play yeah. much at all. We, we mentioned all the defensive back stuff. No Tracy Walker, no Jerry Jacobs. No, you know, if Atu Melifano barely played at all because they just got him back at the last minute. So they, they put Will Harris, the guy that everyone hates at outside corner, and it all freaking works. The Cardinals don't score a touchdown until the final five minutes of the game when the Lions were just giving up yards anyways because they, they already had a 21-point lead. This Aaron Glenn's finest moment, I think, with with the Lions, and it, it's it's so telling that they're getting this sort of productions out of out of castoffs, out of practice squad players, and it just makes you think like where where's the limit for this defense once they start getting some like actual bona fide talented guys that that can you know that don't need good coaching up, they're automatically already good, and 
man, that that's got me feeling good because this team hasn't been great defensively all year. It, it, they've shown flashes, um, you know, and, and they were, they weren't perfect today. You know, I, I think the, the Cardinals had three or four runs of 20 plus yards, but when they got into the red zone blinds clamped the hell down. And I think the most telling sequence of events was the, the fourth, uh, the fourth down, the goal line stand, right? First down, I think they get a nice tackle for fourth from and Will three Harris. On, on the third. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, first down, they get, they get a tackle from Will Harris on a screen pass. I don't remember what happens on second down, third down Oruari breaks up a pass in the end zone. And then fourth down, AJ Parker gets a pass breakup. Those are guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, Will Harris playing out of position, AJ Parker, undrafted rookie and Amani Oruari who like, listen, I, I may a call, but like this dude is playing his ass off. Right. Now. I think, I think I would say like Jalen Reeves, Mabin got involved and like, yeah, great day for JRM too. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, the secondary is, is playing much better. They're not perfect, but again, like it all, it all comes back to coaching and that's probably the entire story of the entire game. But to me, defensively speaking, I just came away so impressed with their effort. I think I joked around, after, because we did we did our Madden sim and the Lions won the Madden sim like thirteen to ten or something, something low scoring. And I said, you know, if Aaron Glenn can hold the Cardinals to ten points, that dude deserves a head coaching job right freaking now. And, well, let me. Uh oh, because <laughs> he might deserve one right freaking now. I don't, he gave I, up. He gave up twelve, so he, he should be okay here. Yeah, and he and really only six, really only six, because that yeah. touchdown at the end. How much? I mean, how much can you really trust that? I guess I don't know. I mean, no other. Um, can I, I want to give some accolades at least to the offense for two things? For number one. The first half was a brilliance of time of possession, just dominance. You're talking about Kyler Murray, who I know his MVP star has faded. I know he's without DeAndre Hopkins, but your first thought is you need to limit how much time this guy is spending on the field. So yes, they take the sack to Jared Goff and then proceed to sit on the Cardinals defense for almost nine minutes to start the game. The only possession the Cardinals get in the first quarter is a three and out no yards. They come back in the second quarter immediately minus two yards again, defense, but the, the, the Cardinals like the, the lions sit on them to start the game. They put, and I think there was also like a, a close to six minute possession later in the game that ends in a field goal that that was the final defining score. Um, not, not the final field goal, but that was the one where I'm like, all right, that's ball game at that point. Uh, also how, how long has it been since we've seen where this team can get a turnover and then turn it into points and not just a turnover, but a turnover after a turnover, Iguabuque fumbles on the first possession that I'd have for the lions. But then two plays later, Orwarie just snaps it back from Kyler Murray and, and almost takes the full way. And then, yeah, next play is a touchdown. Like, put it in. Like, the, the Lions led by about four minutes for time of possession in this game. And they let – and the turn and the big turnover, they turned into they, – they made sure that the Cardinals felt it, that that was the back-breaking play that they were not going to come back from. No, the, 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 the biggest – I think the biggest, uh, like, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the biggest play in the game was the downs uh, that they that they forced at the end of the first half. Right? They they get the Cardinals to turn the ball over. Um, you know, like we just talked about, and then they go nine plays, ninety seven <laughs> yards in a minute forty, 
and it, it it includes it includes going for it on fourth and one yeah. to an awesome play that they had dialed up for Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, you talk about a change of possession. You talk about taking a turnover and making the most of it. I mean, that's a 14 point swing right there because you're keeping the Cardinals out of the out of the out of your end zone. And, and that that could have easily been a 10 to seven game going into half and set it 17 nothing. Yeah, hundred I mean, percent. Huge, 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 huge. Like, I mean, like, even go back a couple of weeks ago. Could you imagine that this Lions offense could run a, a no. two minute drill? I'll, no. I mean, I'll tell you what, Ryan. When when that happened, and half the reason you go for it in that instance for for the Cardinals is because then you have the the Lions backed up, and you, you use all three of your timeouts, and you get the ball back, and you hope you score. That's exactly what I thought points, was going to yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I, th- I thought. The Lions were going to sit on the ball. They're going to run the ball three times, try to get out of their own end zone punt the ball away. And then the Cardinals score a touchdown. It's 10, 10, seven and a half. Like that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. But the line, I think they ran on first down the Cardinals called timeout and then they throw on second down, they throw on second down, they get the roughing the passer and suddenly they're in business. Get another roughing right. the passer this, and, and then just move the ball. This has been mm-hmm. a week where coach decisions have been under the microscope microscope almost every, yeah. every day, starting with Brandon Staley repeatedly going for it on fourth down and repeatedly failing which brought out the usual suspects to scream about analytics and everything else. And I, I agree. There weren't, so, there were some plays Brandon say they probably shouldn't have risked it for, but whatever that's, that's, we're not a chargers podcast, but then you go in and then like Bill Belichick kicked a field goal down. However many points to the uh, 17 or something. Yeah. 17 he made, he made a two score game, a two score game. Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. And then, but then coming to this game where we've got two different sides of the coin, Jeremy, where we've got Cliff Kingsbury. I don't fault them for kicking a field goal to start the first half. At that point, you're still scoreless, get points on the board. Fine. Whatever. Kicking a field goal when it's 24, three. Okay. You're kind of giving up the ghost here. And then the touchdown at the end of the game where they decide to go for two, like, I, I guess maybe that's a, we were talking about this before the stream. Like maybe that's, an extension of the decision. Do you go for two when you're down two scores and you score the touchdown, like maybe extension of that, but still it was kind of baffling. And again, if you're suddenly being aggressive, like why'd you kick the field goal? Where was that the rest two? of the game? Yeah. Where was that the rest of the game? And like, yeah, they, they tried going for it fourth down twice in this game, both times fail. Meanwhile, Dan Campbell, how many, um, so there was that one fourth down they converted. I think they converted another, no, I think they, no. So they they went they lined up to fourth go down. They that's pitched, right. But it was the false start penalty on Brock. Right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He's he's on the back side of the play. He first of all, and, he and was it, not. It, he did not false start. I don't know what the call was. Maybe it was that he wasn't set. But that's not what the not what the referee yeah, said. Right. He so, called it a false start, but like everybody was speculating on whether or not he was just set or not. Which I think is a bad call. Whatever. Yeah. But I, th- I think the thing to take away is like both of the fourth down calls were really, I mean, they were good calls like yeah. that, that, that toss to Craig Reynolds, worked. like that would have worked. It was an easy first down. He, I mean, he got it. it, it Brock Wright had no bearing on the play anyways. Yeah. Um, I, I guess mean, what we're saying about, is talk about a guy who's in the doghouse. So Brock yeah, Wright, yeah. oh man, Not this line team misses DJ Hawkinson bad. Really? Uh, what I'm saying here, and I'm not saying, but I'm also saying it is even taking away the fact that Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn got a bunch of practice squads guys ready to take on what was the NFC West hopeful and probably still is that they all, that he also in game time decisions out coached Cliff Kingsbury. 
he, he how the, the the Cardinals got outcoached in every single way in this game. And the, and listen, I think Dan Campbell needed a game like this because he's he's been under fire and and for play maybe calling for so. anything. The play calling was fantastic in this game. Play calling was fantastic, and and I I, I mean. It, a lot of the fourth down decisions, right? That was becoming a big thing with him. And fourth down decisions didn't end up making a big difference. It, I, I think the interesting thing about this game is I think the Lions went into it thinking, shit, we're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at this team. They do the onside kick right after they, they score the opening mm-hmm. field goal. They're like, yeah. all right, we, we got to do what we did at the Rams and just throw everything. At. And then, then they're like, wait a second. We can just sit on our ass right now. We're up, we're up 17 points. We smell blood. We points. smell blood. <laughs> we don't have to do anything. We can just run the ball 40 times and, and win this game. And like defensively, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to defense, but like they got to Kyler Murray a lot. They were <laughs> super aggressive on defense. Kyler Murray's heights getting a lot of passes broken up. And, and, and well, here's the thing, like, that's a very dangerous game to play. And Dan Campbell said it himself after the game. If you send pressure at Kyler Murray, you better do it smartly. Because if you if you leave those rushing lanes, he's going to burn you with his legs. And what happened? Kyler Murray finished with three rushing yards on four attempts. Yeah, the three. most impressive. The I most- predicted he was going to get 70. I'm an idiot right here. <laughs> the most impressive thing Kyler Murray did was he chucked up like everyone. I think Gus Johnson on the Fox broadcast was going nuts because it was like a 45 yard throw because he had wheeled back so far <laughs> right. to avoid pressure. It was only it was a, a 19 yard game. It was a prayer. It was a prayer. Yeah. And I mean, credit, credit to Aaron Glenn for the, for the, you know, the design of, of the defense. The, the scheme there, but really credit to the players. I mean, w- like I said, when you blitz Kyler Murray, you cannot leave your rushing lanes and the lines with, again, a set of guys that probably wouldn't be playing on most teams um, did, did exactly what they were asked of. And, and the game plan worked really to perfection. I, 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 I still can't really believe it. Well, I, I, the, the one thing is you just look at the, <clears throat> you look at the drive by drive. I mean, first possession for Arizona, three plays, zero yards, punt. Next possession, three plays, negative two yards, punt. Next possession, seven plays, 19 yards, punt. You know, turnover on downs. And then the end of the half, like, I I mean, they pitched a shutout in the first half. And for all intents and purposes, like, I I mean, they they got that one touchdown. But like we said, that was, I mean, the game was well over by then. Like, just, it, it was, it was it was, you know, from start to finish, just a complete game. And it was something that like, we haven't seen the likes of in, like, I, I honestly can't remember. Like we never saw a game like this under the Matt Patricia era because, you know, the, the Lions also dealt the Cardinals their first loss on the road this year. Also, like, the they first were, they were seven been... and zero coming into this, into yeah. this game. And I mean, the, the Lions, like, let, let's not lose sight. The Lions were 13 and a half point underdogs at home. They, I mean, they've and never, they skunked the Cardinals. They were they, 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 the third team in, in since 1970 that the worst team in the NFL beat the best team in the NFL more than eight weeks into the season. Like, yeah, that never happens. It doesn't was, happen. Well, I think I saw the last time the Cardinals were shut out in a half was 2018. When, when was the last time that Kyler Murray beat the Lions? Never. <laughs> never done never. it. He's never. He's never done it. Never, ever. He's never done it, and he's had three tries. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I want to take a quick break. Hashtag we own Murray. We own Murray. Yeah. We own own our small son, Kyler Murray. Can't get get the ball over his uh, lineman. 
Uh, all those jokes about his height, whatever. Um, <laughs> let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to examine some individual performances because uh, there's definitely a man of the hour named Reynolds. There might be another Reynolds we mentioned. There's a sun god. There's plenty of gu- There's two different guys named Harris. Bearing the lead. Yeah. We're, we'll get, I, thought you, I thought your lead was Netflix and chill. No, no. Charles Harris is a man possessed and I can out- Man possessed. Let's talk about that. And yes, accolades to Jared Goff, who averaged 8.3 yards per pass in this game. Never thought I'd see that again. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Time to get in some individual performances. We wrap up Cardinals and Lions here. Um, and I, I, let's, let's table Craig Reynolds for a second. Craig, Craig deserves a lot of attention, but do we start with Jared Goff? This is the first time we're going to be to really talk about Jared Goff in a, in a good capacity. We talked a little bit about him during the Vikings game, but uh, my man here is out here posting a 93.8 QBR and averaging 8.3 yards per completion per, uh, per pass. I mean, listen, we we've seen flashes of Jared Goff here and there. We haven't seen him do it for an entire game. And, you know, he didn't have to do much in the second half, but that's only because he was so good in the first, like he was great. Um, the, the touchdown pass to, to Amon Ra, he, he had pressure in his face, stepped up, made, made a perfect pass to him. The, the touchdown pass to Craig Reynolds was, was just as impressive. Um, tight window there. Craig Reynolds made a nice catch. I'm sorry. Josh Reynolds made a nice catch there. Um, contested catch there. And listen, like, I, I don't, I don't know what else you could have expected out of Jared Goff. Maybe, maybe one or two passes probably should have been picked. They were kind of weird, but 21 to 26, like five incomplete passes. I don't, you, you can't complain about that. He, he threw it downfield. He threw three touchdowns. He had a damn near perfect passer rating. I mean, just, just a fantastic game from him overall. Like, and, and he took shots that, 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 I think that's the other thing. Like what they get called for three or four roughing the passers in this game. Um, and, and he fought through it all. And, and Taylor Decker said something interesting after the game about it. When, when I asked him about it, because he's just like, yeah, when, when a quarterback stands in there 
and takes hits and knows that they're coming and still gets rid of the ball and still, you know, throws it down the field that get, that gives us confidence that we're doing our job, not because he's taking hits, but that they know he's going to stand in there and, and throw it. And he's going to stand in there and not scramble to the outside, not do a, a spin move and, <laughs> and get sacked unnecessarily. Now they're pl- now the offensive line is playing with the confidence, knowing if they just do their job, Jared Goff is going to hang in there and he's going to wait for a play to develop and he's going to find the open receiver and he's going to hit him. And that's what he did. The major- majority of the game. And listen, we don't need to talk about the big picture topics yet of, of whether Jared Goff is suddenly redeemed and, and can he be the quarterback of the future? Let's, let's settle all that. Let's just talk we have a about few more games. We have a few more games. Yeah. yeah. Let's see how he does down the stretch, but this is exactly what you want to see out of Jared Goff. This is exactly probably what the Lions were hoping they'd see in Jared Goff. Can he do it consistently? We'll see. But man, fantastic game for him. Can't hate on him. I think the big difference, I'll let Ryan jump in here uh, just real quick after this point. I mean, uh, I'll let Ryan jump in here as soon as I'm done with this quick point is like, I think the big difference is he's just got, he's got receivers. He'd like not only trust, but work to his style right now. He doesn't, he's, he's not going to, he likes guys who are going to like really run their routes. He wants guys that are going to get a little bit of separation. He doesn't need them completely in the clean, but like TJ Hawkinson, good as he is, he's not going to be that separate guy getting separation to make a safe throw to. And Goff's got that in mind, but with, Reynolds and with Amon Ross St. Brown's he's got those Ryan. Yeah. I, you look at the, uh, the target breakdown and Amon Ross St. Brown getting 11 targets, Josh Reynolds catching all six of his targets. Um, I mean, those were really the two guys that led the way. And, you know, you, you look at Cleef Raymond, he made a, he made a big splash play and, and had another reception, but I mean, it was really, it was those two guys because I mean, the, the tight end depth, has just absolutely fallen off a cliff. Um, and, you know, I, I think kudos to, to golf, like, J- like Jeremy said, I mean, he played as close to a perfect game as he could have played uh, back to the point that you made Chris about the play that Kyler Murray made uh, where he scrambled and, you know, reversed the field <laughs> uh, and, and probably was like 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage to, to gain 10 yards. Like, I feel like that's what Jared Goff thinks he can do and he tries <laughs> to bail out of the pocket, but that's never going to happen. And I thought that the Taylor Decker quote that you brought up, Jeremy, was, was really less, it, it was really illustrative of what I thought was the best play that Jared Goff has made as a Detroit lion so far. And it was the pass that he made to Amon Ross St. Brown because, um, you know, you think about even the pass that he made to TJ Hawkinson back, back in green Bay. Like that was one of the plays that really stuck out in my mind is like, wow, that's like a big time NFL throw, like putting that ball in a tight window over the shoulder throw, like only where your receiver can get it. This had like the added element of like golf stepping up in the pocket, like to avoid a rush and then make that throw. Like, I didn't think that Jared Goff was, capable <laughs> I didn't, moving I, I forward. Didn't, well, I, I just, I didn't think he was capable of like compounding good decisions. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it really seems like Jared Goff is like a one read guy. Yep. Like if that's not there, it's a check down or it's a disastrous result. Like what happened there was like a, a, a great play for him to step up into the pocket and then an even better play to make that throw where he just absolutely dropped it in the bucket to St. Yep. Brown. Like, I, I think that's the, the thing that was most impressive to me. And like, I immediately thought, and I immediately said on Twitter, I was like, that's the best play that I've seen Jared Goff make all season. And that's, I, I, I hate to kind of rain on the parade, but it kind of sucks that like it took 
14 games to see that right but but it happened right and like i I think to chris's point like now he finally does have receivers that he's like developed a rapport with like in saint brown he has somebody who he clearly feels comfortable with in josh reynolds who's you know i mean what a what a turnaround for that guy like i think that we we need to talk about josh reynolds a little bit more because this is a guy who when he showed up to his first game in detroit did everything wrong (laughs) like offensive pass interference penalty like i mean drop passes and now he's i mean now he's clearly like one of the top receivers if not the top receiver on on the team let me let me try to tie those together because i feel like the thread there between reynolds and golf for both their struggles early on is like when you come into a new place you just need time to sure get everything set up, get yeah. comfortable. And sometimes you're not going to get that done in a, in training camp and preseason. It's going to take time and adjustment. Like, look, even Dan Campbell when Anthony Lynn were learning as far as play calling and, you know, scheme and what would work. And I think part of it too, for Reynolds is that it's, it's also the multitude like, and I really want to talk about Amara St. Brown because he's ascended a fourth round draft pick getting used as heavily as he's been the last three games. He looks like he's going to be here for Detroit for the long run. If he keeps playing like this. Well, I I think that's the thing, Jeremy, right. Is like, this is what Brad Holmes does. He finds receivers in the later rounds where he, you know, he can get a lot of production out of them. And I'm on Ross St. Brown. is just like another one of those guys. Yeah. Just don't ask him to find one in free agency or via trade. Cause that apparently is very difficult. Um, well, well, real quick to Chris's point though, like in terms of st- establishing, you know, like a, uh, a relationship and establishing any kind of chemistry with a guy like even Jared Goff, while he had that opportunity in training camp, I mean, how long was it before he lost his top two wide receivers? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, so he's, I mean, they've been building the plane in the air for the entire season when it comes to the passing sure. games. Yeah. And I, I don't know, like, I, I, I keep going back to the touchdown to Amon Ra because it was such a uniquely designed and interesting play, too, because, you know, Amon Ra is tight in with the line. He, he looks like he's blocking. Then he runs to the left, like the crossing route. So that's a pretty normal looking play. Like you block and then you run a crossing route, but then he cuts it up field, almost like a wheel route. And, you know, we, they, they ask off about the play afterwards and, He's like, yeah, you know, we've run, we, we ran something similar to Cooper Cup in 2018 with the Rams. And then someone asked him, well, who designed that play? And this is, this is where I want to direct the conversation a little bit because the continued rise of Mr. Ben Johnson, tight ends coach, who he, it was Amon Ra actually who said it. He's like, I think it was, it was Ben Johnson who, and he said, don't quote me on it. And I'm looking at me quoting him. Um, but he said, Ben Johnson was the one who installed it, whether he, he created it or not, he's the one who installed it. And, listen, man, this, this offense has now scored more than 20 points in, in two out of three games, starting to starting to figure things out in the passing game. Jared Goff is starting to look like an acceptable quarterback and we haven't talked about it yet, but the running game looks pretty goddamn good right now. And so, you know, a lot of questions about what's going to happen with Anthony Lynn. I think, I think the offensive coordinator in, in waiting is, is already here. I, I do. I, yeah. I think Ben Johnson is that guy and seems like he, Everyone in that in that locker room really respects him, and the results are starting to show. And so, um, that that to me is an interesting thing to keep an eye on because it does seem like Anthony Lynn is becoming a, a smaller and smaller part of this team. Ben Johnson is becoming a bigger, bigger part of this team, and it's working. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the run game, and we're almost ten minutes in, and I think it's time to finally unwrap the packaging on Craig Reynolds. 
the other Reynolds. Yeah. What, what can you say about the kid, man? Just absolutely making the most of his opportunities. And I think the interesting thing about this game, because, you know, you know, I'm, I'm team running backs don't matter all that much. And I do think a lot of his success can draft position on, on running backs don't matter. No, I'm, 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 I'm straight up saying, running oh, backs oh yeah. Don't you're, matter. you're, you're, so you're on, it's not just that with you. You're just full on like air raid. Just well, right. It, oh, okay. be, it, because I think most of a run game success can be attributed to the offensive line. But if I, if I can push back on my own argument here a little bit, look at what the other running backs did in this game. Jamar Jefferson, five carries, nine yards. Igwebuke fumbles. Igwebuke, two rushes, zero yards, and a fumble. Yeah, no, if, no if more Godwin Igwebuke carries. If the there's way. that much of a difference between your running backs, okay, running backs may, might make at least a little bit of a difference. And, credit, like, and to be clear, like, Reynolds made a lot of the yardage on his own. Like he did that spin move that one time where he's running left and then he reversed field with that spin move and got mm-hmm. like eight, eight or nine yards, huge play from him. And so Craig Reynolds deserves a ton of credit. I'm not trying to take it away from, him, but I do think, I, I mean, off, I think the line's offensive line is just murdering people right now. And, and, and they're missing key parts. Meanwhile, Panay Sewell, it doesn't matter because Panay Sewell's jawing off at the defensive line and is like one of the best graded tackles from PFF this, this year. Like I can't wait till they get ragged now back. It's it's the, if there's one reason per, on the personnel side, like I think the coaching is the biggest reason to be optimistic about this team's future. And we saw evidence up and down the field today of that. But if you're looking for personnel, like I think the offensive line is just playing their ass off completely. Like what they, they had what two sacks on the day, one or two sacks. And, and the first one came on the first play of the game and it was Jared Goff's fault. Like they're, and, and I mean, Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden combined for 19 and a half sacks going into this game. They had really good pass rushers and you didn't hear their names most of the day unless they were getting flagged for roughing the passer. No, that, that was the one thing that I said, like in our preview podcast, Jeremy is like, I, I thought that the Cardinals would rack up sacks in this game. I thought it was going to be one of their like, get right bounce back games. And I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I was alone in that either. Like, I mean, you tweeted out like what a bunch of idiots we all were because every single one of us like picked the Cardinals by multiple scores. Yeah, by like 20 points. Oh, I thought, I thought you were calling me an idiot because I had pie in my score. <laughs> Like well, you're mathematical a mathematical kind of, spe- no, special know. special kind of idiot. Chris. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, names from the defense. Who do we got? Oh my gosh, Charles Harris. Charles, let's, let's, Harris, let's start dude. with the man on fire. Yes, Charles Harris should be NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, like without I, question. I'm with you, hundred percent. Like, I, here's the thing: like twelve tackles for an edge defender is insane. That's off ball. Like twelve tackles for an off ball linebacker. That's that's a that's a great game. If you get it from an edge defender, a guy who's mostly rushing the passer, that's that's fucking insane. Like, and excuse my language. Tack- three tackles for a loss. And, one and, and a half sacks. Did, I thought he had two and a half. Did they not give him the second one? They didn't give him the other one because I think they might, a have, snap. they might have counted it as like one of a rush maybe. Yeah, well, sometimes when it's an aborted snap, I think they don't give him credit yeah. for a sack. But like, essentially, he had two and a half sacks in this game. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was... Go it was ahead. more than it was more than just that, and I want yes. I want you I want you to go there, Jeremy. I mean, the I think his best play was the read option from Kyler Murray, where yep. he contained him completely and and beat him to the corner and stopped him for zero yards. That was one of the most impressive plays I've seen from anyone on the defense. And you know, it doesn't get the the fanfare of a of a turnover, but man, that was 
extremely smart and extremely athletic from a guy like Charles is. And I thought it was the best play of the game. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, Oh no. So Jeremy, so it's that sequence though. Like yeah. it, it's the, it's the contain on the first down play where mm-hmm. he holds them to no, no gain. And then it's third and nine and Charles Harris gets the, the tackle on Rondale freaking more. Oh, that's right. Yeah. For neg for negative one yards on, yeah. on the, uh, on the screen <laughs> attempt, dude, like you're talking about two of the shiftiest players in the NFL, like two yeah. of the slipperiest dudes in the league. And Charles Harris, the edge defender is making these plays like that guy. Like if he doesn't win NFC def- defensive player of the week, something's something's wrong. I, I think that, I think, now. I think that he, yeah, he should have former NFC offensive player of the week. Jared, Jared Goff put in a phone <laughs> call to the league. If, if that's not the case. Yeah. Should we talk about the other Harris or is he down? Is he down? The, I mean, again, I just want to give him props like playing out of positions rough in the NFL. I like, yeah I I don't think anybody said ooh boy I can't wait to watch Will Harris play outside corner because it seems like everything else he's done has gone so well but like kudos to him for that but I, dude I want to talk about another cornerback I want to talk about Jeremy's least favorite player on the roster well, okay hold on <laughs> dude I already said it man may call like I, he's playing I, his I, ass th- off. Dude, there's nothing about that interception today that was like right place, right time. That might have nope. been one of the top five defensive plays of the year in the NFL. We're talking like, Amani or Warrior, just in case yes. people aren't following along Dude. with the insides here. But I mean, what, what a pick. Honestly, like his pick in the end zone a couple weeks ago was just as good. It was, I think it was against the Bears. Like, he, if you start stringing those kind of interceptions together, like, I, I got nothing to say, man. Like, he's, he's playing his ass off. <laughs> And, and he's getting he had, that, like, and, and it's and not just that play in the red zone too. He had that yep. play in the red zone. He's, he's, he's improving. And again, like this goes back to coaching. I think like we're seeing these guys in, in the defensive backfield starting to improve and, and you have to give Aubrey Pleasant credit. You have to give Aaron Glenn credit. And I mean, the, the frustrated part in me is like, man, like if, if Amani Oruari is improving this much, and what and could have Okuda done? Yeah, uh, what could they have done with Okuda, man? If if they can do that with Jerry Jacobs, like, oh, I, I just I I I'm so rooting for for Jeff Okuda to to come back from this Achilles because I, I I'm seeing what they're doing with with less talented, less you know athletically talented guys. If if Jeff Okuda can in, get in there and and those guys can work their magic on him, like maybe they got a shutdown corner on their hands. I uh, I want I want Chris to get in here. The the last thing I want to say about that is to kind of piggyback off the Will Harris thing, like whatever they did today, it worked for Will Harris, right? It worked for this defense. And I think that, you know, looking to the future, you would think that this, this defensive coaching staff, they're going to put Okuda in a position to succeed no matter where he is. Yep. You know what I mean? Like they're going to find the right spot for him to, to be a successful NFL player. Um, And man, I'm with you, Jeremy. Like, I, I just hope he gets right. Yeah. And I mean, like, you're going to look to this. I mean, we're, we're going to talk a little bit of draft next too, but like, I know there's some DBs coming up in the draft too. Like, I don't know. We'll have to see where the lions land, obviously with their pick. And I'm not ready to talk about that, but like, there's some corners no mocks are, needed. No mocks needed. There's, but there's, <laughs> this is a deep class as far as cornerback as well. Like, I'm not yeah. saying to replace Okuda, but like, if you want to pair up Okuda and get some other talent up there, like it's clear they can coach these guys up. They can get them ready. Yeah. They can get yeah, them ready it, to go out there every Sunday. Doesn't matter who it dude, is. In, 
And even for players to step in a pinch, because the one other guy that I want to give kudos to is somebody we mentioned earlier, but Jalen Reeves Mabin, like that guy was all over the place and he got put on spot duty. Like they put the green dot on him as soon as Alex Anzalone went out. And I mean, that guy was, I mean, he was in Kyler Murray's face. He was breaking up passes. He was making tackles. Like there was, there was that one play that I'm, I'm thinking about. Um, I think it was, when the Cardinals were threatening to score um, before the half. And uh, I think it was maybe Charles Harris who like raced Kyler Murray or somebody close to out of bounds, but then like Jalen Reese maybe made the cleanup tackle. Like he, it, it just seemed like every time I saw Jalen Reese maybe doing something, he was doing a positive for the team. Like yeah. he was doing a, a net positive. It, it didn't seem like he was a net negative by any means. So I think that when you look at PFF scores tomorrow, like obviously I think Oruwari is going to be up there. Uh, by the way, by Charles, the way Charles Harrison to, better be in the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but without but, question, I just, just real quick on, on Oruwari too. I, I got to give some, I know a keep to leave on the broadcast too, by the way, he was trying really hard to make sure he pronounced it properly, which is, Oh my God. Good on him. Good on him. At least tr- I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. He's at least trying, but he's also saying like, if AO can fix that tackling though, like he's a top CB. I don't know if, you know, I trust that that might just be Tlaib gassing him up, but we're talking about a keep Tlaib, one of the best to play at that position. Like saying that looking he, at, he certainly knows Aria what play. good play looks like. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what good, good chains look like and where to get, get them. I think I think my favorite thing about Akeem Talib being on the broadcast was like Gus Johnson trying to go back to the well multiple times, like being like, "Hey, you know Jared Goff? You were on the L.A. Rams team that went to the Super Bowl," <laughs> and like he basically said like something along the lines of like Jared Goff's a really streaky player, huh? And Akeem Talib he's like, "Yeah, he's really streaky." <laughs> And it's like, holy shit, dude! Like that's not a compliment. Like, <laughs> Only getting the best, only getting the best sent to Detroit. What can we say? Yeah, it's it, it just weird, like, getting Akib Tlaib put in the booth with somebody like Gus Johnson. It feels like you're putting a governor on Gus Johnson. Well, I feel like, I mean, we saw that with LeVar Arrington, too. They're, like, tr- clearly trying to. Gus Johnson's the veteran here who's going to ease these guys yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. So, like, although, although Gus Johnson also, I think, I get it. There was that the thing with the pylon. Where he just like like Akeem he, he thought that Akeem Talib thought it was the both rule those too. guys thought it was a touchdown, but like the the refs were already signaling from the field incomplete. Yeah, you just waited yeah. two seconds; it would happen. But like, yeah, no, it's not second foot down. So, but enough on the broadcast. I, I, new uh, news news report here: Lions do not get the A team broadcasters. <laughs> Stop the presses. Oh, well, they might want to start sending them to Detroit because. Ooh, yeah. Talk some trash. We got to talk some trash. We own the cards. We own the (laughs) cards, baby. Well, let's talk some more trash as we look to the rest of the schedule coming up here. What comes next for this team? What we can reasonably expect? Um, how, How many more teams can we get to send out their version of Colt McCoy to take the last few snaps of the game the as they wall away in despair. <laughs> what a sad, sad two minute drill that was. Oh my God. But I also like kudos to the Lions for not letting them score on that final drive. Like I did not want that score to be 30. Yeah. That'd be up on a billboard. If you let Colt McCoy score on you. It, well, it's not, it's not that it's, I, I wanted that final score to represent what the actual game was like and a 28 point win over the current or an 18 point win. I'm sorry, math. 
uh, failed, Math. but um, yeah, like, and, and even that is generous because that touchdown, like, like we said, was, was a give up drive for, for the lines. Yeah. They were just like, you want to throw eight yard passes over the middle. Fine. It's like, it. dude, you've already, you've already burned two and a half minutes. There's less yeah. than five. Fine. You want it so bad. Take it. <clears throat> All right, let's let's take a break. And then, yes, I think no, no mocks, but we will touch a little bit on what this means for draft position and why it's not that big of a damn deal. How about that? We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit PewDiePie Welcome back to the Pride Detroit POD cast, closing down our final big POD cast before Christmas holiday seasons coming up. Jeremy's got to get on a flight. I've got to get on the flight. Um, Cardinals. I mean, excuse me. Falcons content might be a little light this week. We're still figuring things out, but uh, Hey, you've got to win to keep you warm. So download the podcast, review it, make sure we're the most reviewed Lions podcast out there. Can I, can I read a couple really quick? Because I, I we put have out a call some... last week and we got a couple new ones. And I said, Ooh, do we got, do to... we got, so we got more insults for me is what you're saying? No, they're all very nice. Oh, wonderful. Let's read a couple before we get into uh draft mm. talk. Yeah. Oman 601 gave us five stars says, this is my favorite Lions podcast. I like the chemistry between the guys and I like the insight. The show is personality and you can tell they enjoy doing it. We sure as hell do after a game like this. That's for sure. Uh, and you know, it's nice to have a coach that doesn't suck. Um, Mary Chipmiss also gave us a five-star review. Says, love this podcast. This is a great podcast. These guys are very, these guys are great, very informative and entertaining. I never miss an episode. So that means you just heard your name, Mary Chris Chipmiss. Thank you for the review. Appreciate it. Keep them coming y'all. Even if they're not five-star reviews, we need to be the most rated lines podcast I'll, I'll read one more too we've got cbaz20 yes this is a good podcast about a really bad team so listening to the podcast during my walk to college classes now i've been a weekly listener for four years a great podcast and a bad teammate for good content that means cb's also been around for some of our oldest jokes too <laughs> well here's Any the question though if we if the team starts being good does that mean that we have to start being bad for balance in the world that's not hard for me to pull off <laughs> That's not hard for me to pull off at all. Sure. I'll just start talking more. Anyway, uh, where do you want to, Jeremy, you said you, you, you didn't want to talk straight what this means for draft position in that. And I agree, I think it's a small thing, but like, where, where, where were you expecting like us to go as far as like, what, I mean, what does this, I hate to do this. What does this mean for the lions? Cause well, the only yeah. thing it really means right now is the lions are down to second for now in the draft order with, you know, but they still have three more games to play. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think that's going to be the major topic though. Is like, what does this line mean? And in, in, like, aside from draft order, what is, what does this lines mean? This lines win mean. And I think it was interesting because Dan Campbell was asked, you know, is this a statement win? Is this something like you're making a statement about this team? Finally, everyone in the locker room sees what an, a complete game looks like and, and that, all this effort that they've given all season and all the, the next man up, you know, attitude and mindset, all that stuff actually works and, and they can build off that. He said, no, 
he said like, no, nah, I don't really buy that. Like we have to actually continue to put in the work and like, I, I, you know, it is nice to finally see what it looks like all put together. And, and yeah, that's, that's some, that's clearly what we're trying to do here, but you can't just be like, well, we did it. So now smooth sailing the rest of the way. Like, no, you have to continue to put in the work and, and you like to hope that, that each player sees that and each player now knows that, yeah, this, this is all worth it. This is all building towards something where we can take down the best team in the NFL or the best team in the NFC or, or one of the top teams in the NFC or whatever you want to call the Arizona Cardinals. But like, let, let's, let's slur a roll here. Like we have to continue. They have to do it consistently. Right. Like, like you said, I think in the, in the last segment, any given Sunday is a thing in the NFL. Sometimes a bad team puts up a really good performance against a really good team and wins a that lot happened. of times. We, it's happened a ton this year. In order for the Lions to really, I think, earn the respect of the league, earn the respect of of me and and you know cynical writers and and cynical radio stations and and people calling into radio shows that, that still want Jim Harbaugh, they need to do it consistently. It's the only way you're going to get this monkey off your back that this that has been on the franchise for for seventy years. You have to do it consistently, and it's nice that they did it once. And I'm feeling pretty good about the the way in that they did it with with the the roster that they had. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything until you can do it consistently. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ride the wave for a full week. I'm gonna I'm gonna feel great about this this win, but I'm not gonna be like, well, Dan Campbell's our guy. It worked. We're we're just we're just gonna get some first round draft picks in here and then it's straight to the top. Like not yet, but not bad so far. When you, you consider the alternative of some of the other first year head coaches and you look around the league, Fair. right? Like, I yep. mean, we, we, we didn't really peel back that urban Meyer onion, but like, I mean, they're, they're I don't know. You, you look around the rest of the league and like, you know, I, I think of all the teams that look like they're, you know, definitely out of the playoff race. You like, you like, I mean, it, it's the, it's the fan confidence polls that we, right. that the SB nation does all the time too, Jeremy, like there, there's nobody that's trending in the same direction that a, a, a team that's two eleven and one and just won their first game a couple of weeks ago. Like it. 97% by the way, last week. After, is, after getting blown up by the Broncos, by the Broncos, after getting, after getting absolutely demolished, <laughs> molly by the Broncos. I mean, Panthers it, loving it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I think that we, we definitely have to talk about what this means in terms of draft position, right? Like, and, and whether or not you would, you would trade these victories for a guaranteed opportunity to get one of the top two guys. Um, Here's, here's, I, I guess my point on that, Ryan, like I need to see what happens between Jets Jaguars first. For for the, next week. yeah for a big game and named after a Godzilla character the Jet Jaguar, um, but like I feel like it's just premature to suddenly be like oh no the Lions have ruined it and now they're not going to get Thibodeau or or uh, um, or Hutchinson. It's like we don't really know that, and even if. First off, I think that maybe it, we're too close to the trees when it comes to Hutchinson. I don't think Hutchinson has has convinced everyone he's the one A to Thibodeau at this point. I, I don't I don't think that it's going to go one to Hutchinson Thibodeau, depending on what team it is. I don't know what the Jaguars are going to do. 
I don't. And I'm like, so what? Like there's some other great positions at the top of this draft. And this is probably a point for Jeremy's. Um, I'll get back to like why it's fine for those two guys. Like, I think either one of those guys is a, is a lottery ticket and they're both fine right now. But also this is kind of the upside of getting a lower draft position too. Um, and this is going to excite Jeremy's pleasure zones. You can trade down easier if you're not one in this draft, because it's hard to convince people to jump up to the first overall pick where there's no generational quarterback involved. And we were just bemoaning that this year. We were saying, oh, there's no generational quarterback. That's bad, not just because the Lions want a quarterback, but also that's hard to trade down from it. Well, if you're like three or four, that's easier to trade down. It's possible. I mean, I, I, your overall point, I think, is, is good here, which is who the hell knows? It's, it's Yeah, there's December. options. <laughs> Things are going to change. <laughs> we don't know team needs. We don't know all that sort of stuff. Like, it does seem more right now, the, the consensus right now is Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau or 1A, 1B, but that changes. We, we Like, it changes with the senior bowl. It changes with the combine. It changes with just one major draft guy says, Oh, uh, most people are talking about this guy. And then like, suddenly everyone agrees with that. And also I don't think Hutchinson is really getting that. I like he is, he is outside of Michigan. He is. I don't, I I don't. He's pro football focuses like number one overall player. I, I, okay. I guess, but, but I mean, but again, the point being things change. We'll, we'll see. Um, and, And just to set the table. So like right now the lines are at two because the Jaguars are, are two and 12 lines have the, the half win with the, with the tie, the, the Texans beat the Jaguars are at three and the jets are also at three. So, and then everyone else there's there's a group of guys at four. The lions have three games left. They have the Packers to, to finish the season. Next week is the Cardinals on the road. After that, it's the Seahawks on the road. Falcons. But yeah, sorry. I'm getting these birds. You're, you're doing this again. <laughs> Falcons. No Falcons, Seahawks, uh, Packers. Realistically speaking, guys, what 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 are we thinking? Is 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 do the Lions pick up another win? First of all, if so, is it more? Because if if they only pick up one more win, there's a pretty good chance. That, I mean, they're, they're, they don't fall out of the top three because the well, they probably don't fall out of the top three. They win two, they could fall out of the top three. Where are you guys at in terms of you know coming off a big win like this? Do they have another you know? wall-to-wall good performance in them where they can beat another good team are are the falcons and the seahawks even considered good teams probably tough places to win on the road i don't know i'm 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 yammering what, what do you guys think is is a realistic finish for this lines team i i think they can pick up one more win just one and i yeah and i feel like it's the falcons game like going to seattle i don't know seattle for all intents and purposes is pretty much eliminated i mean they're five and eight yeah it would it would take some it would take some wild stuff happening in order for the Seahawks to, to make a playoff run for the wild card. But I mean, the Falcons are just a team that like, I, I truly have no idea how they've, how they've won six games this year. Right. Like very carefully. (laughs) So, so here, here's the thing about the Falcons. They're six and eight. They have a worse point differential than the lions. Yeah. Yep. They're minus 126 points. That is good for, let me just double check and make sure. Well, the Jaguars are minus 174 and the Texans are minus 165. Let's leave that. Let's leave them aside. But the Falcons, I mean, like, I think that they can, I think that they could pick up a victory over them. Like I, I, 
you know, traveling to Seattle, that's a tough game. And Green Bay might have everything to play for um, in terms of wrapping up like the number one overall seed in, in, you know, the final week of the season. But um, I, I want to say too, that like, I wouldn't be all torn up. Like if the jets win, if the jets beat the Jags, I think that's going to give enough cushion where it's going to guarantee the lions are a top three pick. Unless they win two. You mean, the Jags, two, you mean the Jags still, beat the Jets? No, the Jets beat the Jags because oh, okay. that would put them at that would put them at four. Oh, wins. I see. I see where you're going. Yeah. At. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I mean, like, I, I wouldn't be all like. I, I think it's another it's another situation where like the Lions are going to have a good thing come out of two teams playing one another. Like yep. it was a good thing that the Texans and the Jags played this week, and the Texans got a win. It'll be a so, good it'll be a good thing no matter what, in my opinion. Right. I get I, my question was going to be, who are you rooting for then? Because if the Jets win, you're right. I think that almost locks the Lions into a top three pick. But if if the Jaguars win, then suddenly one is back in play. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> who cares? You, you're <laughs> who just cares? kind of at this point where it's let, let's just the cards lie where they lie. Let's see if the Lions can pull off a couple more wins. That's it, where you're at? Well, no. I Josina Anderson told me that the Lions are drafting Kayvon Thibodeau. So, like, no mocks needed. <laughs> no mocks needed. No mocks needed. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I don't care. I don't yeah. care either way. Like I, I think, uh, did we do, did we say this while the recorder was running Jeremy, that you said that like, you know, if we're evaluating Detroit's individual performances, how they've been in these games that they've lost, take their record out of it. They are team. They are better than the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans and probably the New York jets. So it would make sense that they're the fourth team in the draft. Yep. It's just that they've been able to quirkily work their way, their record to this awful position. Yeah. No question. And, and yeah, just, and to bring it to a a point I was making off, off, uh, off air. I think we, we talked about it a, a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week where it's like, are you okay with the lines going with a run down the stretch and it maybe knocking him out of Thibodeau and Hutchinson category? And I think my answer was, it depends on how those wins look, because if they're, if they're squeaking by, if they're playing an ugly game, like they did against the Browns and the Steelers and winning those games, then yeah, those are, those are hollow wins. Those are things that I don't want to see. They're not looking good. And then they're getting knocked down in the, in the draft order. But if they're winning like they did today where they just, absolutely wiped a playoff contending, a division leading, a conference leading team and, and just make them look embarrassing and make their head coach throw hissy fits in, in their post-game press conference saying I got out coached and I'm pissed. Like, yeah, I want to see that team light the league on fire. I want to see the lions make, you know, the opposing team run laps. I want to see them play spoiler. I want to see them make Aaron Rodgers cry. I want to see them, you know, put Matt Ryan's career in the dirt. I want to see them, you know, make Russell Wilson want to get traded all that more out of Seattle. Absolutely. I'd take that over a couple more draft positions because listen, if the lines are doing what they're doing out of guys who are undrafted free agents, out of guys who are fifth round picks out of guys who are practice squad pull-ups, I think they're going to find someone pretty good that they can turn into a pretty good player at five instead of two. They're going to be okay. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, going back to the question of who's more winnable between Falcons and, and Seahawks, I almost feel like the Seahawks have, have like, that's a defense you can just beat up on. And this is a offense right now that is 
finding its legs, finding what it can do best right now, even with it's, I mean, I was just asked, is DeAndre Swift going to be back for the year? I don't know, but like right now they seem to be having no trouble running the ball right now without him. And we've just spent 30 minutes talking about how Jared Goff is now suddenly got trust with Josh Reynolds and, and, and uh, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, like, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'm excited. That's all I'm going to say. I'm excited to watch. Yeah. It's, it's fun. I just, I just, I hate, I just hate this conversation sometimes because like as much fun as I like to update on where we are in the draft position and keep an eye on it, it becomes too much of an object lions fans use or Detroit sports fans use not just lions fans, but other Detroit sports fans use to flagellate the lions. Like this is somehow they're doing something wrong by winning. And here's the thing, like what else could they be doing? Like they can't be like, Oh, you shouldn't be starting like start, you know, starting some fourth or fifth string guys. That's what they're doing. They did that by necessity. Like they did that. And they still won. Yeah. I guess you could argue make, take Jared Goff out of the like your plan, your plan to do your plan to do major league here is not working. Right. Like if, I think a lot of people said like, you know, Oh wow. You know, the lines put TJ Hawkinson on IR. Wow. Here comes the tank. Like they're tanking. Like, well, may, maybe it, they're like, well, you know, you're more valuable, valuable to us next year than this year. Sure. But you, you know, like the players in that locker room, the, the coaches, they are not tanking. And but it's just this, um, this idea that somehow any. they're screwing up and missing out on right. something. You're not missing out on anything right now. You're not. If anything, you should take a look at what Brad Holmes did in his first draft and say, wow, he was able to get a generational tackle prospect at the seventh pick. Yep. I wonder what he'll be able to do with the top three or a top four pick. Like, and then, and then another pick later on in that first round and then another pick high up in the you know top of the, second round like the lions have draft picks like that's all that matters right like they have they have multiple you know scratch offs they have multiple lottery tickets and and that comes back to chris's point about like well you know all of a sudden you're at three or four maybe now you're in a range where there is a team that's willing to trade up for a quarterback and you can get some more draft picks like that should be what you know lions fans are are most uh when it comes to draft talk, it's like, how can the lions get as many opportunities to, to get players in the draft? Because I mean, There's that's a lot of positions right of need. There's a lot of positions of need. Yeah. So, they have a lot of like, talent. They need. Sounds like you're making an argument to trade down already. It, it, do we even need to make that argument? <laughs> the one thing that I, the one thing that I have to say, Jeremy, is that after Craig Reynolds performance today, like if the lions draft a running back, I'm going to be worried about you. You should be. I mean, listen, if it's day three, I don't care. Day three picks or whatever. Take your shots on any position you want. But if, if they like, I'm sorry, Michigan state fans, if they draft Kenneth Walker on day one or day two, you might not see me for a couple of days. I'm going to be carrying that, that, uh, that, that draft stream even harder. I'm, I'm, I'm basking in it. I don't even know if I can get ready to pack for Colorado the way I'm feeling. Here, it's gonna be can quite I, the can victory I say one Monday, more man. ridiculous stat? The Lions had two touchdown drives of over 90 yards. N- over 90, not 19, 
90. Forward down the field, baby. This is a team that wouldn't throw the ball more than five yards down the field a month ago, and they drove 90-plus yards against the Arizona freaking Cardinals, who, by the way, had a top-five defense in terms of DVOA. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, that's why, I mean, that, just, yeah. Yeah, we don't need to say anything else. I think we're done. I think we're done. Everyone, I want you to have good holidays out there. It's been an insane year for Pride of Detroit and for the Pride of Detroit community. Both you guys who watch us live on Twitch, those who follow us on the on the podcast feeds, thank you and thank you and thank you and thank you and thank that other person. Not you though, he's kind of weird. Uh, you and I, uh, Jeremy is all right, I guess. Ryan Matthews, do, doing good, doing good. Let's do more gambling talk. I don't know when that's going to be, but you know, yeah. Uh, for myself, Chris Fett. For me, Jeremy Reisman. For me, Ryan Matthews. Happy Festivus, assholes! Plot 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.